Hello, VUX World crew. Um, for those of you that pay attention on Instagram, you'll probably know that this is the second time I've tried to record this, because the first time I failed to hit record on Audacity. So, not Audacity, Audition rather, Adobe Audition. So this is round two, and let's see whether or not I can do this in one take. And now for something completely different. I'd like to uh, talk a little bit about language tonight. What I wanted to speak today about was language and how language develops over time and how new industries develop their own kind of language. Language changes with culture anyway, and every generation has a different form of language um, or, or different phrases and, and things that they uh, use to describe certain things. Um, and industries bring that as well. And I think that we've got our own terminology in the voice community and you know, some could call it jargon, and sometimes jargon can exclude people from outside of the industry. But it's important to have a suite of terminology that describes the new things that new technologies and industries bring that didn't exist beforehand. Uh, so there's another piece of this terminology which I'd like to propose today. Uh, it's not something that we uh, have used yet, or at least I've not seen it used yet, um, but I think there is some scope for considering using it. So I'll get to that in a moment, but I wanted to just demonstrate a little bit of, um, and take some time really to just reflect on some of the things that have, that have um, some of the terms rather, that we use in the voice industry and how it's kind of similar to previous industries that have gone before it and kind of similar really to the the kind of evolution of language in general. Now, I'm no linguist at all, but I do know that as generations progress and as we kind of um, go through the various stages of life, we tend to either take language with us or leave language behind and create new language as we hang around with different people, do different activities and all that kind of thing. And, and it's even generational. Like if you look at your parents, my parents, for example, have a set of language and a set of terms that they use to define certain things or, or explain certain things or describe certain things that I just don't have at all. Like my mum and dad say courting for like going out with each other. If Before you get married, you were courting, right, back in the day. Um, whereas we used to say like you'd either be going with someone. I don't know if, I don't know, I don't know what the kids say these days that makes that kind of term sound cool, but you were going with someone for a while. Um, so and my, my dad, even to this day, my dad still calls a song a record. Oh, I love this record. Oh, it's a fantastic record, this. Oh, who sings this record? And it's like, Dad, it's a song. A record was the recording of that song onto something like a record, like a vinyl record or, or a tape, a recording of it on a tape. A song is just the movement and vibrations of air molecules that are perceived in your cochlea, in your ear, the hairs in your cochlea, that grab hold of the different frequencies and translate that into something that sounds like a song to your brain. Uh, a song is just the movement of air, basically. Um, it's not a record. Uh, so, so different generations have different terminology. And it gets worse with every generation. Give you an example of what I mean. There's a condition in combat when a soldier or a sailor can't take it anymore, when he's ready to snap, all stressed out. During the First World War, they called that shell shock. Good, simple, honest, direct language, two syllables, shell shock. Almost sounds like the guns themselves, that was 70 years ago. Then a generation later, we had the Second World War, 
Same combat condition was called battle fatigue. And, and different technologies, not just industries, that, that professional industries that people work in, but also technologies in general bring about their own set of terminology that describes some of the new things that that technology brings with it. So when the internet was first kind of put into the public realm, if you like. It gave us the birth of the word internet, first of all. It gave us the web browser. It gave us the web. It gave us websites. It gave us HTML. It gave us CSS. It gave us hyperlinks. It gave us email and e-commerce and all of these different terms that didn't exist before it. And it also gave birth to a number of different roles, didn't it? We had web designers, we had web developers. We all of a sudden, as it evolved, had content creators and web editors and things like that. So it, it kind of brings around not just new terminology, but new roles as well. And we've, we've seen the same thing with mobile. So before mobile, there was no such thing as a responsive website. Responsive. If you were responsive, you'd just be someone with pretty good reflexes. But now we've got mobile here and you need to be responsive in the way that you design things. We give us apps. We didn't have apps before that. Before mobile, we didn't even have texting. Texting, text to text was just to put something on a page. Text was just words on a page. It wasn't the act. It wasn't a verb. It wasn't the act of doing something to someone or communicating with someone. And so it's give us all of these new different kind of languages. Social media is the same, you know, a like or a hashtag. What was a hashtag before? I think we used to have a hash button on a phone, on an old school phone. But I don't think it was a hashtag as a way of, of grouping things together. And that's, de that's describing the new functionality that social gave us, which was the ability to group those things together. We need a term for it. And voice, the industry as it's been progressing, has given us the same kind of things. We've, we've got new terminology that describes some of the newness. So for example, we have VUI, V-U-I. That's not a new piece of terminology that's existed for a long time and it was actually applied to IVR design. And in Kathy Pearl's book, Design and Voice User Interfaces, she actually references another book from 2004, which was, in fact, I've got the name, I've got the name of the author here somewhere. Hang on, where is it? Uh, the name of the author is, bear with me, no, it's gone. Anyway, I'll find it out and put it in the show notes. I'll link to the book in the show notes. There you go. And apologies if it was your book. I really do apologize. Um, but it was from 2004 and it was all about applying VUI design to the art of creating IVR uh, options and conversations. And then Kathy Pearl's book, I think that's 2016, I think, Design and, user Design and Voice User Interfaces, that kind of explains the term VUI. So it's not a new term, but it's certainly, it was new to me when I started getting involved in voice. So that's, it is specific to the voice industry. VUX is another term that we didn't have previously. In fact, secretly, deep down, if I'm honest, I thought I invented the term VUX. That was what I thought. <laughs> Turns out I was wrong. I didn't invent it whatsoever. In fact, it was actually the first trace of the word VUX that I could find was from Twitter. And the first hashtag was by a guy called, where is he? Uh, where is he? Ah, huh. Tom Gilly in April 2016. That was who did it. Tom Gilly, April 2016, and I'll tell you what the tweet was. The tweet was, 
voice user experience, hashtag VUX, for IoT, hashtag IoT, human interaction, comma, early but promising. This was in April 2016. So I didn't invent the term VUX, although I, it was new to me and I did genuinely think I invented it. But I think that's a common thread of some of these terms, as we'll find out, is that it's very easy to create a term in voice because all you need to do is take the ice off it and leave the V either at the beginning or the end of something. So we've got VUI, voice, user, interface. UI was something anyway. User interface design was something. We just stick a V on the, on the beginning. User experience was something as well. We just take the ice away from voice and put the V at the beginning of UX. It's the same with another term, which I also thought I'd coined as well. I also thought I'd, uh, I'd kind of come up with this, but it's symptomatic of how easy it is to create terminology for voice. V-commerce. That was the other thing. Voice commerce, the act or, or act of buying something with your voice in a conversation on our voice first channel. And voice first is another term that seems to be unique to the more, to the uh, voice industry. I think mobile first was the thing as well. So it's kind of a, a translation or a, a voice industry version of that. Uh, but I believe it was Brian Romley. Correct me if I'm wrong, anybody. I think it was Brian Romley who first kind of coined that phrase. I was trying to find out when Brian bought the domain name voicefirst.expert, but I can't seem to find it out. I don't think my wizardry detective skills are quite that good. But I might just ask him. So Brian, if you're listening, let us know when you registered that domain name it'd be interesting to know when you coined that term voice first. I'm kind of trying to find out the first kind of shreds of evidence of all of this terminology. Uh, and VUX, as I said, was Twitter in April 2016. Voice first, haven't tracked that down yet. Uh, I mentioned V-commerce. C-commerce is another one, conversational commerce, not voice specific. You might use conversational language in a chatbot or something like that to buy something that's kind of a conversational channel. Uh, Generation V, that's an interesting one. Again, I published a post on this last year. I think it was March last year or May last year about Generation V because we were pregnant. We were expecting a baby. And I thought this baby is going to be Generation V. He's going to be born. And all he's going to know is the ability to talk to stuff. And there's other kids around and other babies around. And that's all they know. They just walk up to technology and expect to be able to talk to it. So I kind of wanted to think, well, that's Generation V. Turns out anyway, Generation V is, is kind of like years old and the New York Times first kind of, I think it was, excuse me, 2009 or something like that. The the New York Times coined Generation V as Generation Virtual Reality. So there you go. Uh, so it's not unique to voice. And I'm pretty sure I also seen some something else from Katie McMahon. I think somebody accredited Katie McMahon of uh, Houndify, Soundhound of coming up with the term Generation V. So maybe that's true. So I don't know. So if anyone's got any shred of evidence of where the first usage of the word, um, whatever, Generation V, <laughs> if, anyone's got any, if anyone's got any shred of evidence around where the terminology Generation V came from, applying to voice-specific uh, things, then let us know. Uh, we've got things like Voiceify. You can Voiceify something. Uh, <laughs> although usually it takes a bit more work than that. Sounds really simple. Um but it's also, again, it's give us new roles and it's give us new kind of jobs to be done, new kind of scope for roles. And we're seeing VUX designer roles. We're seeing VUI designer roles. We're seeing dialogue designers, conversation designers, conversational designers. I've kind of been saying lately, convo designers. And uh, I don't know whether that'll stick with me or not, but I think it's just, I've been writing a lot recently and putting down a lot of ideas and convo designer just seems to be easier to type. And the more I say it, 
the more I come across it, the more kind of natural it sounds. It sounds a bit cringy at first, but it, it kind of grows on you and gets a bit more uh, acceptable, I think. Um, but I think we need some clarity on all of this stuff as well, because um, it's not really clear what a VUX designer does, what a VUI designer does, what a dialogue designer or a conversational designer does, or what a convo designer does. So I think we need to kind of get some clarity on that. And maybe I'll do another podcast episode or another article or something like that, trying to figure out what the difference is between these roles and whether or not we need them all or whether we should standardize them or whether or not we're just happy to have lots of different roles for what seems like very similar kind of jobs. Who knows? Um, but there is one piece of terminology that hasn't necessarily been spoken about that much. And in fact, I've never come across it yet. But I wanted to make a little podcast about this because I think that there is need for it. And I think there is need for the thing that it describes. So here it is. We have call to actions and call to actions are well known well kind of um, documented and every type of technology or advertising or piece of media tends to have some kind of call to action. On websites, that's usually in the shape of a button and it's usually to try and get a user to take an action, to do something like subscribe for an email list, like add something to your cart, like check out now, like pay for something. Uh, it exists in advertising. So if you, you may see a billboard advert for BMW and it might be book a test drive at your local dealership and that's a call to action for you to go and make a booking of a test drive, obviously. And you might see the same thing on a TV advert, such and such ice lollies, you know, uh, Nestle ice lollies on sale now. The call to action there is go and buy one or on sale now at your locust com local convenience store, whatever it might be. There's, that's, that's a terrible example, by the way, but you get the gist. Call to actions is, is trying to get the user to do something that they might need to do or that the business might want them to do. And in voice, we don't seem to have a term for a call to action in a voice environment. We published a, uh, a blog and a podcast and a video last week, which was all about the voice industry not expecting a free meal and how Amazon aren't going to do your dirty work for you and promote all of your Alexa skills and Google are not going to promote all of your Google actions because it's up to you to do that, right? And obviously we spoke about a lot more of the things that are at play, like the psychology and putting, trying to work it into someone's routine and all that kind of stuff. But ultimately the premise was don't expect a free meal and do the work to get and acquire users. And in order to do that, yes, you can invest in your marketing channels, you can invest in social and paid, earned and owned and all of that kind of stuff, fine. But these voice assistant platforms present other opportunities. We've seen a few months back Pandora, in fact, it was quite a while back now, Pandora introducing uh, voice adverts within their platform. So conversational adverts that you can engage with. I think it's Instreamatic is another company that does that. Call to actions within voice environments like podcasts that you can respond to with your voice. You'll get a little taster of an advert and they'll say, do you want to find out more? Yes or no? You can say yes if you want to. No, if you don't. That for me is a VTA. It's a voice to action. And that, I think, is a term that is needed in this industry because it's not a call to action to go and download your skill. It's not a social media posting with a, a little kind of button that links you off to the Amazon Alexa app that then has you enable the skill within the app and then you need to go away from there and go to the device and, and get on with it there. 
it describes the act of a call to action within a voice experience and whereby you can respond to that call to action with your voice as well. It's a VTA, a voice to action. An example of that would be if you've used an Alexa skill and you say Alexa stop, then you might at the end of that, before it just kind of shuts up, it might say, ah, because you've played song quiz, you might like to try beat the intro. Do you want to give it a go? And that's a conversational call to action and you can respond with your voice and then engage with that experience just by speaking. That's a voice to action, a VTA. Another example might be if you uh, quit a skill and it says, do you want to rate this skill? Yes or no? And you can say yes or you can say no. So you're responding to the call to action on the same channel, in the same environment, in the same conversational interface as the call to action is being served on. And by responding to that, you can then get on and engage with the experience immediately after. So you could say a VTA or a voice to action is anything that promotes a skill or anything that promotes a voice experience. But I think it's important to make the differentiation between anything like a billboard ad that promotes an experience versus a placement within the platform itself or within a conversational channel itself and the response to that is via voice. Maybe there'll be some debate about what exactly this definition is. And you can see that I'm trying to kind of like uh, squeeze it and, and, and come up with the definition. But I do think there's something in there. VTA, I think it's got a bit of a ring to it. And uh, shout out to Stuart Crane, by the way, uh, who when I posted on LinkedIn last week about the whole discoverability thing and not expecting a free meal and all that kind of stuff, he pointed me in the direction of a company. And I'll tell you the name of the company here. It is... Uh, again, it's another one. I need to get my notes prepared a little bit better, don't I? I'll tell you what it is. Here it is. Uh, the skill is Respond Fast. It's not a skill, rather. It's a company called Respond Fast. And what Respond Fast do, uh, Stuart's comment on LinkedIn was, um, I was talking about don't expect a free meal and all that kind of stuff. And Stuart said, totally agree. One of our customers of SurveyLine, Stuart, by the way, he runs SurveyLine. It's a voice first survey tool. Really, really good. You should check it out. You can collect survey data through Alexa. Really good. Uh, he said, one of our customers of SurveyLine, RespondFast, respondfast.com, is trying to get an acronym adopted for this. It's called VACTA. Voice Activated Call to Action. V-A-C-T-A. While that's very good... It's not quite as catchy as VTA, voice to action, and it also describes something different. Respond fast, what they do is they enable brands to create a campaign so that you can put on your campaign, ask Alexa to enable respond fast, then you get into the respond fast skill, and then you give them a code from the advert that then shows the user the offer that you've created for them. I think that's slightly different to a VTA. A VTA is something within a conversational channel promoting some other kind of voice experience, like an in-podcast interactive audio ad, like a uh, prompt at the end of a skill, like an upsell to a paid subscription service or a, a in-skill purchase option. That needs a VTA because you're going to respond to it and agree to it or not with your voice. Um, so let me know what you think about that. I don't know whether or not this is complete bullshit or whether or not this is actually something there. But I think it's got a bit of a ring to it. And that's just something I've been thinking about over the last couple of days since Stuart posted that Respond Fast link. So let us know what you think. Give us your feedback. Go to vux.world slash ask. And there's a little button there. You can record a comment and send it to us. And we'll play it and discuss it on the next episode. Do get involved. Thank you very much for listening, boys and girls. And take two was pretty good. I thought take two was all right. Maybe one or two edits is needed. I don't know. I'll have to find out later on. But uh, until next time, see you later. 
Thank you very much. I appreciate that. Thank you, please. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. And a couple more thank you, thank yous.